So I would say I've always been very curious about the inner workings of myself and others, but then it reached this crisis point where I was like, oh, I need to figure this out (laughs) because there's a lot riding on the line. Hi, I'm Richard Ralston. Welcome to Focus on Progress, the podcast for you, the online business owner who wants to see more progress in your business, in your life, and in the lives of those you lead. In this podcast, you'll hear stories from people who have faced difficult things and overcome them. We'll uncover the thoughts, ideas, and actions that have enabled them to move forward and make progress despite the challenges. Kim Edie grew up in a large family. As a teenager, she overcame cancer that almost caused her to lose a leg. Later in life, she faced a marriage breakup. But through all of this, Kim has not just survived, she has discovered so much more about who she is, what motivates her, and how these motivations affect her life. She has learned the power of surrounding herself with people she can trust. She has learned how important it is to answer the big questions of life. And in the process, she has learned about the Enneagram, and that has led Kim on a whole new exciting adventure. Hi Kim, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. I've been looking forward actually to this discussion with you for a while. We've got to know each other a little bit over the last year or so. But before we get into your story, can you tell me a little bit about what are you working on at the moment? What are you really passionate about right now? I really love helping people with getting to know themselves, self-awareness and helping them see what might be holding them back from growing and some of the ways that they can uh, get past those initial motivations. So I love to help people with the Enneagram. That's my favorite way to do that. Ah. Um, And you're asking about what I'm currently doing, and I am finishing up a course all about that um, Ah. to help people dive deeper. So I am really spending a lot of my time currently. doing that doing that right now mm-hmm. that sounds really really interesting and i i think actually later in the podcast i think we might dive into that a little bit and find out a little bit more about what you're doing with that course tell me though what on earth got you interested in this whole personal development thing i mean if you if you roll back to when you were like a is there some event when you were a young child or in your early years of education or Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I come from a very large family. There are nine siblings, if you count me. So we were a, we were a a large group of people and I am third in line. So I'm third oldest. And I've always just been very interested in like how people in how to individualize yourself. Like, who are you really apart from the people around you? And I wouldn't say always, you know, you're a young child and your brain develops and, and then you start to realize, oh, I am different. And how am I different? And in such a large family with so many people, um, what makes me, me and what makes me different than my family or my family of origin? That's really interesting. So I, I mean, was there something triggered in that triggered you in that? I mean, being one or being the third of nine, did you find that you just get got lost in amongst your siblings? What? Sometimes, you know, I, th- I think every child kind of does. Um, and I'm not sure that at, at a certain number of siblings, that's when you start to have that. I think that everybody kind of has that a little bit. Right. Um, even if you don't have siblings, it might be with your cousins or, or with, you know, whoever. But, right. Every, uh, but everybody's, yeah. everybody's trying to find their way, right? Everybody's trying exactly. to figure out who they are and how they fit in the world. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. And but with me, with seeing being so close to so many people all of the time and seeing how we're interacting with each other and what makes us unique, I just I, I found it fascinating for a long time. Um from childhood, but I wouldn't say that I got very deep into it until I reached a point of um, difficulty in in my marriage and my closest relationship. And I was in counseling uh, and just feeling very misunderstood. Like I don't oh, know how wow. to, um, I don't know how to be seen. Um, and I didn't have language around what I wanted to express. And so I so I went searching, and I was like, how can I differentiate who I am? from what they perceive of me and how can I help them or try to help them understand what's going on um, in a way that helps us move forward. So that that's really where um, I dove head first. So I would say I've always been very curious about the inner workings of myself and others, but then it reached this crisis point where I was like, oh, I need to figure this out <laughs> um, because there's a lot riding on the line. So, I mean, Wow, thanks for sharing that. I mean, that's that must have been really, really hard. And you know, I I've, I have friends, most of us do, who have gone through marriage breakups and and just relationship breakups in general, and and just negotiating relationships can be a real challenge. And some people just fold; it it crushes them. Though, what what helped you get through that? Well. I wouldn't say I didn't fold or crush. <laughs> uh, well, I feel like I grew, uh, if that makes any sense. The relationship yeah. did not, the relationship itself folded and crushed. Right. Um, but I do feel like I grew in that process. And I, I don't know, I know for me, one of the differences was it became important for me to know who I was, even if I couldn't help somebody very important to me understand that it became almost like me seeking who I was and what made me me even if I was losing this this part of my life that had been so important for so long and so um I don't know if I would call it folding or crushing for some I think that sometimes it becomes so overwhelming um, right. with all the circumstances around us that uh, that we can't look inward yet. We have to move through and heal and kind of go to the emotional hospital, um, fictional, you know, metaphorical mm, hospital mm. in order to kind of move past. And then maybe we can start to see through the fog, uh, a little bit, especially with, with major events. Yeah. Like you said, with relationship breakups. There must've been so much going on for you. What made you realize that you could possibly be okay if you went on the journey to discover more about who you were? I think I've always felt um, this kind of confidence of getting through tough things. Um, and I didn't have the language around my makeup or inner wiring to be able to express it. Um, when I was a late teen, I went through cancer and I, it was uh, nearly a year of oh, difficult man. chemotherapy and multiple surgeries. Um, and there was a chance at one point that I would be losing one of my legs. And oh. I wouldn't say 
what that experience taught me was you can come through hard things. <laughs> um, and that had a lot of emotional uh, overwhelm to it. Yeah. But obviously going through uh, a marriage breaking up is a, is a different kind of turmoil and a different kind of stress and, uh, and anxiety that comes from, you know, th that's different from a medical issue like that. Uh, but I, I would say I had proven to myself that I could get through hard things and be okay. And uh, for me, it was just a matter of figuring out who I, who I was in, in the midst of difficult things, um, who, who, what was important to me and who am I, and uh, no matter what's going on around me. Wow. Um, oh my goodness. I, for the second time in this podcast, I'm speechless. Um, Sorry. <laughs> um, what did you discover about yourself? You know, when you said you, you, you learned to do hard things and you learned that you would be okay and that you'd come out okay, what was it you discovered about yourself? That healing often looks different than we think it will look. Huh. Um, that being healed doesn't mean reverting back to how it was, uh, but it really means growing past something difficult and, and really finding a new okay. Um, and sometimes that requires like new protections or boundaries, uh, a new uh, routine or whatever that is. But, but there's, there's something about walking through and proving to yourself that I can walk through that even if I limp a little afterwards um, and find the new okay. And I, I, I think that's what I learned about myself is that things don't have to be perfect for me to be all right. Wow. Wow. That's, that's amazing. So I, I can imagine that there may be some people listening to this and thinking to themselves, well, man, I've gone through hard things or I'm going through hard things. There are some big challenges. Um, tell me, Kim, can you, can you give me some keys to this? Can you give me, what, what can I do? What would help? You know, I, I think for me, it is figuring out how you answer life's big questions. Um, holding those answers with an open hand, because I have changed my views on a lot of things over the years, uh, but finding how you're answering life's biggest questions as it pertains to you and holding on to those answers uh, while you're walking through something hard, because I think that you can feel just like swayed by what's coming at you. Mm. And however you, uh, however you, whatever you hold on to, excuse me, becomes that, that anchor in, in what you're going through. So I would say whether it's a person, whether it's a spiritual practice, uh, whether it's, um, you know, a belief about who you are, find how you answer those things, because life is going to test those answers and life is going to throw uh, difficult and confusing questions around those things at you and being able to say, no, this is what I believe about me or about this relationship or about what's best in this situation. Um, find those answers and hold on to them, I think helps a lot 
Uh, but the flip side of that is always be willing to question those answers again. Um, if, if you find that, oh, maybe, maybe life has taken me in a different direction and that can be a good thing as well. Right. So holding them with an open hand, I think is important, but allowing them to be your anchor through hard things. Right. Right. So, so what are the, some of the big questions that you asked? Uh, for me, it is, what do I believe about myself? What do I believe about people, about the world, about good and evil? You know, uh, what do I believe are the spiritual practices that will ground me day to day, even though life is swirling around me? Uh, what do I believe about my longest relationships? And what do I believe about my personhood and what respect looks like or what love looks like? Um, and, and just holding on to those because we can be confused by other people's answers. Um, and that's when we build resentment or that's when we get confused. So, uh, so, so for me, I, I guess it's a long list of questions that I, that I want answers to. Uh, but, uh, but having that short list of these are my priorities. These are my values. Um, these are the things that I believe for whatever reason I do deserve in this moment. Um, and, and being willing to expect those and being willing to set boundaries around those, both boundaries with yourself and boundaries with others. Right. And of course, um, as soon as you ask one of those questions, the answer comes immediately, right? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Often it is a journey um, and, and you will find that the answer kind of shifts and morphs as you start to see it with more clarity. And it will look like, uh, you know, that story where these where these men see this this thing and one of them sees a tail and they're like, oh, it's a rope. And one of them sees a, a trunk and they're like, oh, it's a log. And and you come to find out eventually when the sun comes up that, oh, it's an elephant. Um, uh. And they were all right and they were all wrong. Uh, but they didn't know and they, they would never get to the answer unless they kept explaining what they were seeing and kept, kept on looking uh, as they gained clarity. So, so no, <laughs> and I know you asked that question with sarcasm, but yes, it does. It does take a long time often to find what we believe about these answers. Yeah. And I, I think that's the point that I want people to hear that it can be very, very hard when you're in the midst of something, especially if it's a big crisis, especially if it's relationships, you know, you might've lost a loved one. It might be a relationship breakup. It, it, it could be, it's all around expectations often that are unmet. And the answers yes. to those mm -hmm. big questions, they don't come overnight. They, they just, they don't appear. It is a journey. So what were the things that, what did you do to help yourself on that journey? Yeah, yeah. Most recently, you know, going through my divorce, really what I, what helped me was my personal spiritual practices, um, my kind of inner circle of people that I trusted mm. and uh, setting boundaries that helped me uh, move into the new phase. Like this is not going to look how it was. Um, but with my unique situation, there's, there's co-parenting involved. And so it's not just yeah. 
cutting ties. And so finding um, the new boundaries that will help keep everyone involved safe and, and uh, or really serving the interests of everyone as best we can. And so just naming them and expressing those boundaries has helped a lot. And then having the support of others and then maintaining again, the spiritual practices and things that, that are important to me and ground me in who I am. Right. So it sounds, uh, what I'm hearing you saying is that there were these things you did and then you had a community around you where you were talking about these things as well and bouncing ideas off people and or almost testing your ideas with some close trusted people that, that you knew had your best interests at heart that you could really trust. Yeah, that's inc- that, and that's so incredibly important um, to be reminded there's, there's a couple things going on when you are in a community like that and your world is turning upside down. Um, you need to be reminded that you are not a crazy person. You are a sane person in a crazy circumstance. Right. Um, and so having your community around you to help you. And then also your community can help you not become a crazy person. <laughs> Or, right. or, you know, uh, it can help keep you sane and can help keep you um, wise, you know, and like you said, bouncing ideas off of them, like being able to process things with people who are somewhat removed from whatever situation it is or whatever goal it is, uh, is so important because they can help you see gaps that you wouldn't see. They can help you see uh, possible endpoints for the choices that you might want to make. And they can say, well, watch out for that. <laughs> you know, is that really what's, what's best for you or what's next for you? Because there's a trap there if you aren't looking carefully. And so, so having them, uh, being able to be in a community like that has been so important because it reminds me that, uh, I am in a difficult situation but I am, I can still, uh, choose to be wise and be whole in that situation and sane. Um, and also that if, if I try and go solo in the emotions that I'm currently feeling, and if, you know, then, then I could make some unwise choices and could, uh, trip and fall in ways that I wouldn't without the combined wisdom (laughs) of my support. Yeah, that, that idea of the combined wisdom is huge, isn't it? I mean, you know, yeah. uh, I think there's a, there's a very old saying that says something like the first person that speaks seems right until the next person comes along and gives another perspective. And then it's like, ha, yeah, maybe it's a little bit more to this than I initially thought. And so one of the things I imagine happened is that did you go through a time where you, you started to maybe not trust yourself, not trust the decisions you were making around things? And, and how did your community help you realize that you could make decisions and make good decisions and that you could actually trust yourself again? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, yes. I think that anytime you are faced with a big decision or you run into like an, an emotional wall, then you do start to wonder, can I trust myself? Like, am mm. I, 
uh, good at making decisions. You start to second guess everything and you start to wonder, um, are you capable? Are you qualified even for the roles that you already currently have? Um, and and I, I think that one of the things that has helped as far as the community standpoint is uh, the reminder of your track record, like they can say, well, this was a good decision and this worked out and, and not everything is falling down around your ears. Look at these things that are going well. Um, and, and that is so helpful. And like you said before, like those different perspectives bring actual wisdom, uh, like that combined wisdom of community of saying, uh, well, I can be wise and you can be wise and we might have two polar opposite opinions. So yes, I think that trusting yourself becomes very difficult at first when you are blindsided by something. Um, but having a community who knows you and knows your track record can help you uh, get, get that back and start trusting yourself again. Yeah, people who really remind you of who you actually are and how you've behaved in the past and great decisions you've made in the past and that you can, you, you, it's not that you can do these things again, that might be how you feel at the time, but actually you are the sort of person that makes good decisions. You've always been that way, but this has been a bump in the road and a big bump. You know, let's, let's call it what it is. It's, it's hell hard, right? It can be hell hard and you, your mm-hmm. life crashes in around you. And to have people around you who remind you who you really are must be so powerful, so helpful. So how did you come across the Enneagram? How did, how did the Enneagram come into your life? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, uh, I was uh, in, in difficulties, relationship difficulties and feeling was just very unheard, misunderstood. And so I went to Google. It was Google that helped me find the Enneagram. <laughs> Um, because I was just looking for something and I forget, I wish I could remember what I typed into Google, but, uh, Enneagram, what was the first thing that popped up? So I started reading and then I never stopped reading and I started learning and I never stopped learning. And then eventually I started teaching and coaching on it. Um, uh, but, but that first initial was really, um, in a crisis moment, like how, how can I help my help understand me and help gain language so that somebody else can understand me. Um, and, and that's, that was really, uh, a pivotal moment for me personally, uh, even outside of what, I, what my goal was at the moment, which was to help in counseling. Uh, so, so that was how I found it. Google. So, <laughs> right. So you were seeking help and you were going <laughs> to counseling and you were working through these issues and you went to Google and you said help and Google <laughs> said, <laughs> maybe you said something else, but there you go. <laughs> you asked Google for help and Google suggested to you that you look at the Enneagram. What was it that captured you about the Enneagram? Well, for me, um, it was seeing myself in the description of one of the personality types and seeing a clear picture that simultaneously made me feel so validated and so offended. And I was just like, oh yeah, that is me. <laughs> okay, okay. You know, right. So t- tell us a little bit more about that because what I'm hearing you saying here is that you read something, you read a profile or I'm, I'm not exactly sure what, I mean, mm-hmm. you can describe this to us. 
but you've just told us it gave you both sides of the coin. It gave you the bright light and the kind of the dark places. Can you describe a little bit maybe to us about how the Enneagram works and, and why you found that so interesting? Yeah, yeah. So the Enneagram is basically a personality typing system, but it really focuses more on the motivations rather than the outer behaviors or the way we move through life or impact others. And so when you are talking about why you do what you do and you get to the heart of what are you chasing after in life and what are you trying to avoid? And then from those motivations, what behaviors kind of spring up and uh, get seen as your personality, um, you feel so validated because you're like, yes, that is, that is what I value. That is what's important to me. That is what I have since my young child, you know, younger childhood years been thinking will make my life okay. And so I chase that. And then you're looking at the fears and you're like, yeah, I do like compulsively avoid those things. Um, and so, so the validation comes in understanding that you are not crazy and also in understanding that, oh, other people are chasing different things. So expecting them to chase the same things I do and us to meet at the same point um, is not going to be super helpful. <laughs> uh, are you telling um, me, are you telling me that not everybody thinks the way I do? I know it's insane, but we all kind of believe, uh, even if intellectually we know it's not true, we still yeah, kind well, of expect people. Is it that we believe that? I, I mean, I'm not sure we believe that, but I think we act as if we do. Oh, that's something that, that's something that I call our, uh, our beliefs are not what we intellectually think. We can agree with something and not believe it. Um, so, so I think I think we're saying the same thing here. That yeah. that we're what we're living out is no. This is important to me, and so it should be important to every other human on planet Earth. And so you should agree with me. <laughs> so, so you're uh, saying yeah. you're you're saying that your what you think about yourself and your beliefs about what you think is that what actually drives you. Even though intellectually we can say, I, I get that everybody's different. I get that everybody probably has a different perspective from me. So I even think that they'll probably bring something valuable to the table here. But in practice, we go, why aren't you doing it my way? Why don't you think my way? Is that the kind of distinction you're making between the beliefs and our intellectualizing of our beliefs? I think so. Um, in, in the Enneagram, there's this term called autopilot. And we all have a tendency to sometimes let our motivations be the drivers and we let go of the steering wheel. And I think when we're in that mode, that's when we start to say, no, my motivations are the absolute truth and should be for everybody. Um, it's when we start to take back the wheel and realize that our motivations are not everything in life, you know, there's other things to aspire to. There are other things that are important and we should incorporate and embody those things as well. As we start to do the work to uh, move past our motivations to become an intentional person, um, then we start to see the value of other people's perspectives and things. But I think all of us have the capacity, yes, to 
really think that everybody should think the same way as we do. And I think we can sometimes bounce back in there <laughs> when we're not careful, but all of us also have the capacity, I think, to move into intentionality and believing that everybody's perspective um, matters. Mm -hmm. Oh, I mean, that, that's good to hear because sometimes <laughs> I wonder about myself, you know, it's like, because there are those who say change is easy. And there are others who say, actually, it's hard to change. You have these beliefs and you have to change on a belief level. And then the next question becomes, well, how do I change my beliefs? And, and we go, well, I, I know what I think. And so I've changed my beliefs. And yet we find ourselves behaving in the old ways again. Uh, what's going on there? I mean, how, what happens with Enneagram? How does it inform me and how, how does that help me change? Yeah, well, you've mentioned a couple of big pieces. Awareness, understanding what is going on inside of you is so important. Um, and understanding, at least on some level, what's going on inside somebody else, or at least how it's different from you is also important, I think, um, especially when you're talking about community or relationships. But one thing that I think is an important piece of change is not just behavior modification, and it's not just self-awareness. It's realizing what, how you want to answer life life's big questions. You know, all of us need these truths that are bigger than us or else we would just stay on autopilot and, and let our, let our motivations that were born out of, uh, like trauma as a young child become what be, become what we repeat, you know, all the way. And what drives life. us. Exactly. Yeah. Become what drives us. Uh, we want to aspire to, truths that are bigger than those trauma-based beliefs. And so I think holding on to aspirational beliefs, knowing that we aren't there yet is one of the first pieces. And you can align yourself with your aspirational beliefs, even if you still feel that pull, like those motivations are waiting in the wings to take back control or, or start driving again. I think all of us will have kind of that thorn in our flesh a little bit, but intentionality is, is saying, I hear you. I understand what's going on. Like talking to ourselves. I, I understand that pull I have to be reactive or to be unhealthy, living out those unhealthy patterns but I'm only going to give you the same amount of weight that I give other perspectives because I, I want to be wise, even though, yeah, I might still hold on to that belief a little bit and feel that nudge to just <laughs> go back to those beliefs. You know, I, th I think that nudge exists, but we can move towards intentionality and our motivations lose their grip over time. Right. Right. That, that's fascinating. So you were saying there are nine different perspectives in the Enneagram. I don't want to get into that too deep, but can you kind of tell us maybe what's on the extremes and, and, and what's kind of in the middle? How, how does this work? 
Yeah, yeah. So, so the Enneagram is kind of like, there's not a hierarchy as far as better or worse personality type. Um, They're all just kind of different. And like I said, it really focuses on your motivation. So when you get down to it, um, they all have these different things that they are chasing after. Um, For example, I am, I am an Enneagram type one. Um, I believe especially when I am on autopilot, that I have to be above reproach and perfect and ethical and do the right thing or I'm nothing. I am not worthy of love. I'm not worthy of affirmation or respect. And so I chase that. Uh, But because I chase that, I can find myself being perfectionistic. I can find myself compulsively finding errors and trying to correct them. I can find myself being uh, stuck in this critical mindset, both of myself and others in the world. This is not living up to perfection. And so I'm frustrated. Mm. Um, So, so because I'm chasing after that thing, uh, I, I, it, that comes with a lot of challenges, you know, because I, I can be hard for me to see the beauty in the imperfect and it can be hard for me to rest and just let things be however they want to be and allow that to be good. And, and so, so just as an example, I know we don't have time to go into every single one, but let's go with type two since it's next. So a type two is also chasing after something with the same compulsion and same belief that the, that it will make them okay as I do as a type one, except for type two, it is connection. It is, uh, they're chasing after other people's love and affirmation and running away from rejection, hearing no, and being disconnected. And so because a type two is chasing after that thing, which is inherently not bad, just like being good and above reproach isn't bad, a type two will find themselves compulsively saying yes, when no is the right answer. A type Uh two will start to believe that other people are more important than they are. And so they will bow to other people's needs and wants in order to try to gain that love. And a type two will sometimes find themselves settling for acceptance rather than reciprocal mutual love and respect because they might fear rejection so much that I will, I will do whatever you need me to do, be whoever you need me to be. And so, like, like I said, these motivations, I, th- I think I said, uh, are validating and offensive at the same time <laughs> when, you, when you see them on paper, uh, because it shows us, oh, there are two sides to, to me. There's, there's this bright side that is looking for whatever it is, and it's a good thing. And then there's the shadow side that happens when I compulsively chase that thing above everything else and, you know, damn the consequences. And so, so it becomes this, uh, really, I I think the Enneagram is such an important self-awareness piece because it doesn't give us any excuses, but it also gives us a lot of hope. Like, no, there's, there's beautiful things about things that you inherently want. Like you actually, you, and you can help bring these things to the world, but be careful because you could plow through trying to make those things happen and leave these other beautiful things, uh, to the wayside. But I do think the Enneagram is fun and can help us see, see both sides of us, which is ultimately what's going to help us grow. 
And you got so interested in the Enneagram that you ended up writing a book about it. Tell us about that. What happened? What happened there? Uh, well, I started sharing about the Enneagram on Instagram. Um, and about a year later, I had someone reach out about, about writing a book, uh, specifically for people who share my Christian faith. And this was for, uh, it, it was during the pandemic. So all of this happened during the pandemic. It has been a wild ride. But yes, yes, I was published in November of 2020. Oh, congratulations. That's fantastic. And now you are developing a course is that right yes yes so it's it's a course based on the book um hoping to help people uh in whatever way they need help from me you know whatever medium works for them and then also be able to maybe have some coaching calls and events like with alumni have people who have gone through the course so so i am really excited about it it is new terrain for me uh as a business owner uh, developing a course like this so so yeah it, it's it's been a lot of fun another huge learning curve, just like writing a book was. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that sounds absolutely amazing. Kim, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to chat with us. If people wanted to know more about the Enneagram or more about you, where can they reach out and connect with you? Yeah, the place I spend the most time and have the most fun really is on Instagram. And you can find me there at christianenneagram.coach. Great. We'll link to that in the show notes. Do you have a website? I do. Uh, same thing, christianenneagram.coach. Okay, .coach. Fantastic. We'll link that up in the show notes. So just as we finish off, we've talked about the challenges that you've gone through, the process of you realizing that you're okay and that you can get through hard things. Yeah. If you wanted to leave us with one idea about that and about the ability to make progress, the ability to get through, the ability to move forward, what, what would you be telling us? Yeah, I, I think the one thing that I, would, that I would encourage your listeners to do is to find a community that can support and be willing to share what your real goals are, like be willing to open up and share what's going on so that they can help you, help you the best, you know, community helps the most if you are uh, really engaged in the process of accepting their help. So I guess that's what I would say. Thanks, Kim. It's been great to share this time with you. Appreciate your insight into personal development and the Enneagram. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you so much, Richard. This was a lot of fun. Wow, what a discussion. I was actually quite surprised a number of times. I was almost caught speechless. You know, Kim talked about how answering the big questions of life was one of the things that really helped her get through the tough times she had to face. Life is not all smooth sailing. There will be tough times. So I'm curious, have you spent time pondering and maybe journaling your answers to these big questions? Kim talked about at least answering the questions on the shortlist. These questions included, what are my priorities? What are my values? And what boundaries do I need to set for myself and for others? And you might like to go back and spend some time thinking about your answers to the other big questions. 
I hope you found this episode helpful. If you have, I'd love you to leave me a message. You can do this by clicking the link in the show notes below. It'll open a cool app called Video Ask where you can leave me a message. I'd especially like to know your thoughts on this episode, but feel free to share whatever you'd like to. I'm always up for a chat. And if you enter your email address, I'll message you back. So click the link in the show notes below and leave me a message. I look forward to hearing from you.